Millennium. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I, I will, I'll give it a watch. It's got Alan Rickman in it, I know, it's the bad girl. Yes. Uh, what are we doing? out with a spoon. Mr. Potter, uh, our newest celebrity. Uh, yes. <laughs> Why do I feel like I need to join the join the army? Oh, you recorded. We're going. I was, yeah. I was just daydreaming. <laughs> like, What's going? Okay. Uh, Why do you feel like you need to join the, the army? All of those trailers before the film was it's a state of mind. Yeah, they you, might, maybe you have it. I always find so we've just been to the cinema uh, and we're recording straight afterwards. And inundated. I do, inundated with adverts, but also specifically like recruitment adverts and specifically army, marine, navy. Maybe. I do find that going to the cinema, the trailers are like waterboarding you with to use that horrible expression with just like stuff so every single trailer was just like boom army but they sneak up on you yeah you do like sometimes you think it's like a humble ad for insurance yeah and then it's like you could find yourself at the royal marines yeah like, oh really yeah. have i you're watching a nice nice advert then right at the end somebody get their neck snapped and it's like boom we're a team yeah you could be part of the team <laughs> if you could fix a bike you could kill someone these are if people aren't aware, these Royal Navy adverts and the Marines and stuff—they're like basically a, a, they're like a cut scene from Call of Duty. Yeah, at the end, someone's just like, put, so join the Marines. <laughs> I'm like, is it is it like that though, or is it actually just a lot of sitting around? Last night I saw Bullet Train, and there was one that really snuck snuck up on me, and it was you know when the Terminator has no skin, yes, and they're just walking the T1000s walking yeah. around. It was like something like that, and I thought, oh, am I watching a trailer? And it was like, robots will never replace you. Not the army. And I was like, oh my God, just okay, so watch a film. Does that mean there's been a focus group where they've gone, you know, people are afraid of technology being, and their jobs being replaced. Everyone. Well, drones. We'll go for that. We'll prey on their fears of being replaced because you know what? Can't replace a human being. Yeah. What about drones? Well, we'll get drone pilots. Yeah. Okay. What, what, uh, what about bomb disposal robots? Well, we'll get bomb disposal robot fixers. You know, <laughs> either way, I'm just, I'm in. I'm signed off. This is over. I'm, yeah. I'm going. Yeah. Mm, and then the police. We had an advert <laughs> we had for the police. police. Yeah. We had an advert for being a teacher. I, basically, as I said to you, people who are clearly unemployed. Yeah, people unemployed. They were like, "Who's going to the cinema at ten thirty in the morning on a Saturday?" Yeah. Unemployed people who yeah. we both have jobs. For, just for clarification, yes. um, but fine if you don't. I don't know why I'm going with this, James. <laughs> change me. You're good enough as you are. You don't need to join anything. You are beautiful. So you're back from Greece. I am. Yeah, Catalonia. Yes, and, and this wasn't. A, this was actually a holiday, not not a trip. This was a holiday. Yeah. Lovely. Well, Love Greece. Yeah. Shocker. Ticks. Shocker. Who knew? Many boxes. Yeah. Let me guess. It was sunny. Beautiful. Beautiful beaches. There were, there were some beaches <laughs> nice I went nice to people. that were like postcard screensaver level quality beaches. And I was like, oh, this is where they bottle Gatorade. Yes. It's like the water is so blue. <laughs> mm. I, I you know it's like the cliche, oh, the water's so blue. But I genuinely was like, the fact that this doesn't taste like blue raspberry is shocking <laughs> to me when I get into it. There's just a giant slush puppy machine to another <laughs> yeah, corner yeah, turning, turning it. <laughs> Some guys like <laughs> wheeling it. Uh, yeah, it was great. I went to one place in particular called Asos or ASOS, sorry if I'm not saying it right, which was very so like did all the shopping. I know talented Mr. Ripley is <laughs> yeah, it's just shelves of clothes. Yeah. You know, I know the talented Mr. Ripley is Greece, but it had no, very Italy. sorry, it's, I know it's Italy, but this had like real positive. Tano, Lake Como oh, vibes. Right, yeah. Beautiful seaside town with Retro, like forests yeah. in the horizon, beautiful blue water, stony beaches, amazing restaurants. It, yeah, beautiful. And beautiful. And when you came back to the UK, it was the same temperature. Yes, which I found really irritating. <laughs> I almost like, yeah. even though I'm, there's something nice about it being warm in London, 
it's quite unnerving to get off the plane and it be hot, hot or even hotter than it was when you left. Yeah. And when you left Greece in August. Greece. And like, there's that nice thing when you go on holiday, you get off the plane, you're like, oh, it's hot, might be too hot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, want to yeah, come yeah. back to London. I expect to get to like have to put my coat on. Yeah, for it to be, be raining. Raining yeah. or just like gray, boiling hot. We, I mean, a lot of our listeners are from the UK, but if you're not, we are in like the fifth week of just a, a, a never ending cycle of heat. And... Everywhere you go is brown. There is no greenery no left. Greenery. It's just shriveled brownness. And I know we love a moan about the weather. I know we Boy, do. do we love a moan about the weather. I mean, you know, the royal we. But, but it's just out of control. Like we've said before, we're not built for the heat. The UK is not built. There's no, you know. On the tube built. just now, we, we were like, this is global warm. This we were, is it. We were talking to each other and beads of sweat were on our brow, like running <laughs> yeah. down our face. We're having a very normal conversation. It's only midday. It's 37 degrees currently. And you and no. I- Is it? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're lucky, your flat is, is in the shade. quite cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's, it's all right. Not. The sun doesn't shine You must be north-facing. Yes. Well done. Good yeah. for you. Mine is east-facing. Not so good. Yeah, you got Get the sun. that morning light. Yes, yeah. Big windows. <laughs> Toasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the UK, James. Glad Thank you. Had a nice holiday. It's good to be back. I'm going away tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> for work. <laughs> <laughs> your passport is just like moth but you're just like riddled with stamps to genuinely I had a guy look at my passport and he was like oh. <laughs> so I had like Djibouti and like yeah. 12 other stamps in there and like the Djibouti one is like three pages long of all the paperwork you need and like someone decided is this where you can reveal that like you're you're actually like a non-dom and I'm you a spy don't, you don't have actually a, a resident status anyway. you can't be in the UK for longer than 90 days because yeah. you don't pay tax yeah, it's a really great financial situation I want you to like open one of my sock drawers and it's like a Jason born for me to see like 11 passports ten thousand dollars cash and a gun so george you and i are fresh from an am screening of nope yes we went to the imax the bfi imax in london biggest screen we could find to go and biggest see screen it. in the uk biggest screen in the uk uh, it's jordan peele's latest film we most recently did get out and us mm. nope is a film that i don't really want to say much about in terms of plot wise but no. what you will have seen from the trailer is it stars daniel k Luya and Kiki Palmer. And it's about these two people who own this very old horse filming sanctuary. They're wranglers, they're animal wranglers. wranglers. Animal wranglers. Yeah, and they have this, their, their great, great, great grandfather was, um, was one of the first uh, people to ever have been depicted on film. And I think you probably do know this image. It's of a, a black man riding a horse. And it's like a two second clip that goes on repeat. And they were like, this is our claim to fame. It's, I think it's the Hayward Wranglers or something yeah. like that. And they have this huge property in somewhere in the desert in California where they look after all these horses. And they sort of float between film sets, sort of struggling to make ends meet with the business because there are complications. And they start noticing some very strange goings on mm on their property. There is also a neighboring property uh, with from this other guy who sometimes buys horses of them. It's a character uh, played by an actor called Steven Yun. And they sort of both work in tandem with each other and they're also experiencing weird goings on. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen some of the imagery that this mm. film is evoking and what sort of the threat might mm. be. Um, and yeah, the film, I wouldn't really say much more about the film, but it's about what they're trying to do to sort of mitigate that and capture it. Mm. But George, I think you and I have been fairly interested in this film for a while yes. now. I think we reacted to the trailer a few months ago. It's sort of been mm -hmm. on the tip of our tongues. Both, I can say we're both big fans of Jordan Peele's first Absolutely. two films. He feels like he's got this whole new brand of sort of psycho-racial horror, however you want to categorize it. But George, you have just seen <laughs> Nope in a really big screen, in yeah. a really loud screen. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts? 
Well, it's interesting when you said there about like imagery and lots of striking imagery. When from the the first image you see of this film, it reminds you how good Jordan Peele is at creating an image that burns into your mind. A hundred percent. Like it's not so even about composition. It's just about the the object and and the, the, it's everything is iconic. It's almost like immediately iconic. The implied subtext of what you're seeing yeah. is always rich. And there's always something very curious about his imagery that that. It's, you know, it doesn't always have to be scary or funny. Jordan Peele's films always kind of blur the line between horror and comedy, right? Yes. He, you know, he, we know him having this comedy career before Keen he Peele was a, and, and obviously we know his like horror, horror tones from the previous two films, but his imagery is always kind of curious and it blends the two. And you look at something, you think, I don't know whether to find that funny. I don't know whether to find that mm. disturbing. I'm intrigued. And all this intriguing imagery runs throughout the whole film. And there was many times I just thought, oh, that's a really interesting shot. And that's a, that's a great shot. I, that's very, I'm like got a smile on my face for how, mm. how joyful that shot is. Um, I think it's an interesting one where I, I think it's v- taken a step apart from his previous two films. Yeah. Not only in in terms of what it's about, but I think also in just its construction. Whereas Get Out and Us are very much like thrillers, and they follow the beats of a thriller. Uh, nope is a mystery that takes its time in uh, a careful, methodical um, approach to build up to basically sort of. Um, it's not a big reveal, but it it's, it just takes its time to arrive you at a certain point. Yeah, um, I think that. My, my initial reaction is I think it slightly lacks the real deeper themes of Get Out or the or at least the power of the deeper themes of Get Out. Yeah. And I think it also slightly lacks the cheap thrills of Us. So mm-hmm. Us is very, like, you know, cheap some of the thrills are, but, but very funny, you know, the Hall of Mirrors at the beginning, the whole yeah. home invasion sequence, real edge of your seat things. But that's not to say that there aren't interesting elements in there. There's a whole thing from the beginning about uh, not only um, black people's rela- black people's relationship with cinema, but also their relationship with um, just the kind of image you, you're seeing. So you, it, there's this whole sort of Western inflection to the film. And Daniel Kaluuya is this farmhand. And immediately I was thinking, I've only seen Westerns and farmhands and, and cowboys as, depicted as white, yeah. right? Um, and... This and, and his relationship with his father, Keith David, you just have this kind of setup where I was like, immediately that that feels refreshing and different. And yes, there's this deeper thing about um, uh, with just their family connection with um, cinema and also about um, black people's um, u- role of using film making as well, right? Yeah. It, it, the, the whole um, relationship with getting something filmed. Um, we're trying to tiptoe, I'm trying to tiptoe around revealing too much, sorry. Um, but so I think that those things are there. I, I think I think it kind of lacks the the, the the best parts of his previous two films. I still think though there is enough in there to like really see through. There's very quizzical elements. There's there's a subplot regarding uh, a subplot I really enjoyed regarding a TV series in the '90s. It's as, as unspoilerific as I can say it. That um, I, I thought was interesting and thrilling. I really like the idea of. I'm still stretching to try and bring that back to where that links in with the wider story, um, and it kind of that's how I kind of feel about Nope is that you've got these kind of disparate elements, and and we should say that the story is told broken up into essentially chapters. They're not named. They're not. They're not called chapters, but they are the names of the horses. Yeah, it's 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 episodic, and um, and all those little moments are great and work. I think 
unlike the previous films, though, when they come together, I don't think it like brings me to a, a point where I think, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, it really clicks. And I go, oh, great. I think, okay, yep, I enjoyed that bit and I enjoyed that bit, but I haven't awoken into any sort of deeper meaning here. Now, like even with us, flawed at the end, yeah. but but I, Big I still leaps. massively interstellar sized yeah. leaps. But I got to the end of us and I thought, I I I, I understand what you've been trying to do here. Yeah, with nope, I've kind of thought, okay. There's 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 an, there's an interesting idea in there. I don't think it's game changing. What about you? I I feel like, feel like similar. I left the screening of Nope thinking oh, I had a really great time, but I also think I wanted a little bit more to chew on. I exactly mirror what you said when you were talking about how his imagery forces you to look further into it and you're constantly so engaged with what yeah. he's showing to you and the camera is constantly slowly like yes. rolling in the whole time and it forces you as an audience member to lean in every yeah. single time that's happening and i just catch myself going oh my god i'm going even closer yeah. closer to this massive screen um yeah i did really enjoy it. it's definitely uh his most it's like a movie event film mm. so much more so than his other horror films i don't think that's to its detriment no, or, or, or you know or to, as its benefit it just felt so much more like a visual spectacle mm. like what it was portraying on screen and the setting and what it was mm. trying to do was just it was just bigger and mm. i really enjoyed its all-round presentation mm. but because of the way in which i know john and peel films the way in which some of the ideas in the beginning and some of the external scenes mm. were presented to me, I think I was waiting for something else to happen. Yes, I was waiting for I don't know if, I don't know if I want to see a twist, but no. an added element that would make me a go punch. the gut like the, the punch to land of the third a act punch. Yeah. And and I think the the characters in the end have a couple of moments towards the end where they really look at each other. I'm really yeah. dancing around spoilers. They really look at each other. They really engage. And I feel like there was something else that could have really tied yeah. these characters to have a really meaningful end. Mm. What it builds to in the action sequence i would call it at the end brilliantly crafted yeah. visually spectacular yeah but, that, but when, when the credits rolled i wasn't like aha yeah. i was like yeah it was fun yeah I, I agree when i finished get out i was like ah oh, that's that's good. powerful and when i finished us i was like ah, that was a good time yeah. i had a really good time and with this it was kind of like yeah okay i uh, we, we got there um i think that you know, I mentioned that subplot. Do you see what I mean about that? Like, enjoyable, but I thought that was going to come back into it and be yeah. part of this sort of reveal. But really, it, it's more just contextual about a character yeah. than, than anything else. Unless but we're it, completely missing something. I, 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 you know, so just to be clear, we're not going to spoil uh, Nope in the first half of this review. Yeah. But what we will do is we'll give a spoiler warning at some point into our conversation yeah. and we'll ask you to, if you haven't seen the film, switch away and then come back and listen to it if you haven't seen the film. But just dancing around spoilers, yes, that, 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 that scene sort of... Maybe we've missed something. Perhaps, but it almost begged, it invited you to expect, I think, a greater thing Closure, than Daniel actually yeah. gave. What I will say is, I mean, I, I always love Daniel Kaluuya and um, you know, Kiki Palmer in this is great. So mm. What I like about Daniel Kaluuya in this is that, you know, I've seen him do performances which are like fiery and energetic and mad and he's slow in this. Yeah. He's, he, he's not slow stupid, but it's his character articulate. is, so there's a bit where uh, one of the horse bolts like in front of him and he barely reacts. He just sort of like watches it go and he sort of shrugs and he's got this kind of very heavy, worn out. You see, um, he just looks like a guy who himself. works on a farm all day and doesn't speak to people. Exactly. And that's yeah. not where his skill set lies. And I thought that those two characters, Kiki Palmer and Dana Kalia's character, mm. are so wonderfully contrasted. Mm. And there's a scene very, very early on where um, Kiki Palmer is meant to be the one who sort of does the safety briefing when they're on sets and goes, okay, guys, this is what we have to do. And Daniel K. Lewis, like, 
trying to do it, but she's not come back yet. And he's literally cannot get three words out. Mm. And all of a sudden she jumps back in. She's just dripping with charisma mm. and charm. And she's like, okay, guys, yeah. thank you very much. And that was my great, great dad, yeah. granddaddy. And you're like, oh, that's where the skills uh, separate. And they're very different characters and critical yeah. of each other for that, aren't they? And I know what you mean about the family relationships. I do think there was almost like a, one ingredient missing there. Between the two. We, uh, but yeah, and even in the whole dynamic, I mean, um, uh, uh, Keith David as well. I think I think we could have drawn more out of uh, his role and his relationship, yeah, and the history of that ranch. And but what Jordan Peele is very good at is taking a genre territory you're familiar with, mm-hmm. playing with it, unpacking it, putting his voice t- into it, putting his voice the, into it, the, putting his spin on it in a way that is titillating and playful and disruptive and surprising. And then putting that back together and presenting it to you as a film, right? Mm. Because I don't think the film doesn't work. There's no point of it where I thought, mm, this has really let itself no. down here. It, it functions. Pace I well. just think it's for for all the bold statements it makes and all the, the big vision and the ideas and, and the very original. You know, that's what we always love about Jordan Peele films. They were yeah. always very original. Very original. Uh, it's kind of like, a, okay, do you know what it is? Is I think that we'll look back after Jordan Peele has made several more films. And I'd be like when you get a, sh- a short story collection from, from an author. Yes. And usually in a short story collection, some of them are great. And then there's a couple ones you go, oh, okay, yeah, 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 that was fine. I kind of feel like Nope is, is maybe like the, the, it's not a hit single from, it, it, it's just an album track. It's really solid album you know track. I mean? It's a solid yeah. album track, but it's not a hit single. Um, like, even despite us saying it's not our favorite Jordan Peele film, there yeah. are so many really well-executed oh, yeah. sequences that make up that film. Yes. Specifically the first, what I would call the first real horror sequence when Daniel K. Lewis in a, in a ranch, yes. and he switches off the lights, turns around and the lights are back on. Yes. And there is this moment where I was like, holy yeah. shit. And I, I helped myself be like, nope, no. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see what's, you know, being, being teased and is there, it was such good. Uh, yeah. It's like that, you know, that in horror, sometimes the quieter and stiller something is, the less that you do, yes. you're just left with an image. Totally, less is more. Uh, I mean, and, and, you know, that, and this doesn't spin anything, but when like the second head yeah, yeah, is yeah, there, yeah, like, yeah. I was just like completely But that gone. scene aside, and maybe a couple of other moments of kind of, <gasps> I wouldn't say this film is scary. It's, it's really just a couple think, of brief moments. Yeah, yeah. I think if people are going to see a Jordan Peele film, I mean, not that Get Out is scary or Us is scary, but I do think there are moments in Get Out and Us that are kind of hair raising. Yeah. I think if you were expecting that with Nope, you'll, you'll be disappointed. It's, it's not that kind of film, but I, I also don't think the film presents itself as that. I don't think it tries to be that. Like I said, it's trying to be a mystery more than a thriller. And it builds to a huge action set huge, piece. Uh, a huge Massive set piece. scene. Like, if you've seen the trailer, yeah. like these huge wide shots of Daniel Kilua running across the ranch with the shadow of something behind him. Like, and you'll see the scale. Valley. Yeah, totally. Oh, and, and I felt like I really... Uh, I really got a good sense of that valley that we were shooting in, of where everyone was, where, yes. how far I was from here and what it meant to be here and yeah. there. I thought, I thought it did quite well to make me always know what was going on and where. And he's good at building a distinctive world. Like there's a bit where they visit Stephen Yun's character in uh, Jupiter's Reach, is it called? Jupiter's Um And it's this sort of like very hokey theme park um, uh, with r- roadside. Everything's made of like yeah. facade cardboard. Yeah. And... and um, it's and they, they visit him in his office and everything, all the little details, not only of the of the amusement park, but his office and the fact that he used to be like a, a celebrity and it's just very evocative, very very impressionable, and I and I, and I like that. That's very yeah rewarding. Um, so I think kind of tiptoeing around it, what we both kind of feel the same thing, which is like 
great jordan i'll always watch you what you watch what you have to get present to still us. fascinated by what you can produce um, yeah it it, it, it do, i don't think it takes as as bigger leaps or uh, punches in the same way as the other two films are yeah but perfectly fine time you know okay we saw it in imax and i appreciated the the wide vistas yeah and i appreciated the sound but i didn't think it was a definitive imax experience actually sure I don't think I don't think you've I don't think you've lost out seeing it on a small screen. It's small screen. It has the Hoyt van Hoytemer footprints, fingerprints yeah. all over it in an amazing way. If you've, yeah. if you've enjoyed his work, that the spectacle of seeing things roll along at far, fast speeds in mm. large format, you're in for a treat. But I wouldn't say yeah. it's like oh my god, you've missed out if you haven't seen it on IMAX. Do you know what I also think is that um, he? We you know I talked about the the imagery and there's loads of moments that make me sort of get, put a smile on my face because mm. they're so playful. There was a moment as well. This isn't an image; it's a use. There's a bit where energy fluctuates in this film. You know, lights go out, things, batteries die, that kind of thing. And there's a moment where a 1980s song is being played full blast, and then it because of a power outage, and it and they play it throughout this whole scene at this really low speed that's very fun and very disturbing i was like that is so i'm enjoying you doing that jordan like mm. using this sort of 80s track yeah really really that there were moments when there was a scene when the threat that was, that was, was upon them was approaching and every single sound in the film just went yes quiet and all you could hear was like footsteps you know you would have dust you yeah. would have wind you would have this and you had like electronic sounds because yeah. every, all the power went out you just heard nothing and they, he did so many reaction shots yeah. you know there's that scene when um when steven yun is addressing people to yeah. the crowd and you know it approaches and there are like six or seven different reaction shots of people just turning up to yeah. look at the sky yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just and, and that camera is still inching forwards closer to you um, yeah it's it just a really well presented mm. film it, it is uh a much more of a event spectacle mm. than any of his other films were not to say that it's more uh cinematographically mm profound just like it felt like a big event film it felt like a summer blockbuster popcorn yes action. But, but also quite still stripped down and focused you know like i said it, it, it it's not hasn't got a huge cast no um i also think um not this isn't actually about the film i think the film is very hard to market and i and i, and I kind of worry how this is going to engage with people because first of all we're i mean in the uk we're in the middle of the massive heat wave and yeah people famously don't usually go to the cinema when the sun's out yeah um I mean, we saw it in a screening that was obviously because it was a Saturday morning, quite empty. Impeccably well-behaved audience, by the way. I was oh, very, fantastic. very happy Talking with that. Talking in the trailers and then shoot. Yep, minute, great. Um, but when you look at the poster for this film and it, when it's on the side of the bus, when I've seen the posters, I've looked at it and gone, that isn't selling that film to me. I know I'm going to watch it anyway, yeah. so I'm in. But just having a poster of Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer and Stephen Ewan looking up at a very dark, cloudy sky. It was a cloud with the bunting sticking yeah. out of and it. And I was like, it? that for me... For me it doesn't. It's so obscure, and I worry that the film is is not going to reach reach a sort of a wider group of people. I mean, if you think not to, I'm not critiquing the poster design, but if you think about it, Get Out, that fantastic poster where it's just white, and then that yes. strip of band of Daniel Kaluuya's eyes in complete terror. Yeah, and there's another one where he's just in the chair, like completely yes. with the tears coming out of his eyes yeah, yeah, and yeah. being hypnotized. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. We sat next to someone who was, you know, had come hmm. from out of London to watch it. And it was he was saying that he was sort of you know young maybe a bit younger than us but like was like 
an engaged mm. film watching person. He said it was his first Jordan Peele film, which mm. I was almost a bit surprised yes. because I just feel like his films have been really in the yeah. in the pop like, like in the front loads frontal front of pop culture since they've been out. And I was always interested that he had come to see this one in cinema and paid a lot of money to see it in IMAX yeah. as his first Jordan Peele film. I yeah. was like, oh, if you like this, you've got two great films to yes. go watch afterwards. But I thought it was interesting that he had come to see this one and hadn't seen Get Out or Us. Mm. Uh, do you know what I think, sorry, is the real test is, uh, before we talk about spoilers, is, um, you know, I said it's not scary. Um, I think what we are maybe missing is the effective thrills. And, and what I mean by that is, I actually showed Get Out and Us after I'd seen them to watch them again. I, I watched it with my parents. Yeah. And a good test to see if that film works is, uh, those films work, is, you know, they're not the demographic or the audience for that those films really. Yeah. But they were still able to, enjoy those films i remember watching my parents watching those films sort of going oh, okay oh right okay and like the, the bit in get out where he like runs at the you know the get the groundskeeper Amazing, like runs and, yeah. he's like, oh, and i remember my parents reacting to that and then when i watched us i remember look when the home invasion thing happens but i just love that bit i remember looking at my dad and he was like <laughs> and out of nowhere he just goes I go on the lake and get in the boat and then just call the police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's anything quite a note to really kind of hook you in with your imagination. It's more of a spectacle, as you say. But anyway, maybe we should talk about spoilers now, shall we? I think so. There's a, there are things that plot related which are which are affecting my opinion. So, spoiler warning. If you haven't yet gone to see Note, please stop now. Come back. I will have time-coded this in the YouTube so you can know when we're talking about spoilers. But this will now be going into plot details. We will now be going into plot details for Nope. So you've had your warning. Spoiler zone. So the thing I wanted to talk about, I was tiptoeing around before. Mm. Is it Grundy? What's the name of the ape? The, sorry, the chimpanzee. Oh, yeah. Grundo, Grumpy. Like Grump and Grundy, yeah. This chimpanzee, This the, the film opens with this fantastic shot, like I said, of this... Like a, 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 a slip, a sort of a, a plimsoll Stood up on it, Which, again, threw me, because I kept thinking there's something, like, possessing that or holding it up. There's something supernatural about yeah. that shoe being there. And there's even a lot lingering shot of the shoe in a display it, case. It comes back to it, yes. But that, then that doesn't come back. And I kept thinking, is there something that happens in this event? So the film begins with this you just hear it as um, a voiceover and then it shows a clip of it of this sitcom being filmed in the 90s where uh, which had an ape uh, sorry i keep calling it ape, chimpanzee in it which then went wild and killed some of the cars a, a balloon popped in the top of the studio yeah. and it just had got completely right triggered and you just see this chimpanzee covered in blood at the beginning and there's just the, the feet of a dead body and then it looks at the camera right and uh Later, we come back to that and we realize Stephen Yun was the actor under the table, was a child actor, and the chimpanzee attacks and kills the other cast, but actually comes up to Stephen Yun as a child and puts its hand out mm. in a sign of trust and the fist bump they would do on the show. And they go to do it, and then the chimpanzee is shot dead. And I was thinking... This is the thing, by the way, that trained chimps do to seek approval of humans. They hold out their hand yes. and wait for it to be touched as a way of like validation and forgiveness. I know, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes told me that. Yes, that does that as well, yeah. <laughs> um, and see, that that whole sequence is great, but the only thing I got from it was like, okay, Stephen Yeun had this very traumatic event, which he doesn't... It's very hard to read how he actually feels about that event. He doesn't seem to be traumatized by it. Yeah. Um, but he's also not like... Is he profiteering off it? I don't know. The way which he eventually dies, I felt like, didn't link. Yeah, so anyway, my point is, is that he had this moment where he was almost connecting with a predator with something that was bigger than him. And I, I guess that links back into the, the story with the, the, the beast and the, the monster in the sky in that he's trying to do the same thing. He had this experience before where he was like, I will not be in that position again. I can make a 
a deal with a predator. Does that to kind me, of work? To me, the theme was it's about whether or not it, you're, it's possible or right to manipulate animals or anything in nature to create for your will, to create films. So in, in the beginning, mm. right, you've got Daniel Kaluuya trying to get this horse on this film, mm. right? And it's very touchy. He keeps trying to tell people, don't stand behind the horse. Yeah. Don't make loud noises. Put, turn your phone off. Please don't stand behind the horse. And there's a scene when he's in the film and someone stands behind the horse and the horse uh, kick. oh, sorry, the, the, the guy who's doing the light reading puts this spherical uh, silver ball in front of the horse, which is, means, means it's able to see behind itself. It panics, it kicks the makeup artist. Yeah. So the horse is now no longer good for the yeah. movie. Daniel Kilo can't get paid. And they're wheeling in a green CG horse to use instead. Oh, yeah, I missed that bit, yeah. Yeah, so they're literally like, you know, how relevant it is yeah. to, to have actual practical horses. You've then got um, the fallout of this TV show where they tried to have an actual chimp be part of a sitcom. Mm. But of course, in their process to try and manipulate nature, mm everything went very wrong and that happened. You've then got uh, St Stephen, Stephen Yun yeah. as a grown up trying to create this like roadside alien show mm -hmm. where he's able to feed this massive spaceship slash being yeah. for everyone's entertainment and it yeah. keeps going horribly wrong. And I feel like their whole business of trying to keep these horses yeah. for everyone's entertainment is what's twisted and what isn't working. And in the very yes. end, they're trying to make a film yes. about how they can capture this and make money and how it's like the manipulation of nature yeah, for your I own entertainment. No, I think that seemed right. to me to be the relevance of that first. Yeah, I still don't think that's bit. a ground that doesn't really scream at me. you. Scre cool. Interesting idea. Yeah. Doesn't knock me out of my chair. I could be completely wrong. This is my very fresh uh, interpretation yeah. of all of those different sequences and why they were presented. I mean, I, for me, the bit, it was just like when they were like, Oh, the thing you think is a spaceship. It's actually a sentient being. It's it's, a it is an alien. It yeah. is. It is a monster. And that's the thing. I, I feel like I feel like they they thought that that was a much bigger, I like reveal. And I was no. just kind of like, okay. The, so the threat is still a threat. It's just a slightly different. The trailer threat. very heavily implied it was UFOs and aliens. Yeah. And it is a UFO alien, but the UFO is the alien. It is, it is yeah. this sort of bio shape shifting yeah. bio organic entity that feeds on people yeah. and then. It sort of spits out the silverware. Yeah, it doesn't it spits need out the, the, the rubbish keys and the, the, the change and the Again, ties. Great imagery. Very cool. With yeah. keys sort of just dotted around and it that's how his father dies in the beginning. Yeah, um, I think I, I like the um, obviously, and then sorry, taking from what you were just saying yeah. about trying to capture it and trying to capture a predator, that, and then this whole uh, idea of, you know, our ancestor was one of the first as they say, first black actor, stuntman, and horse wrangler to be on film, right? Because they said that's the yeah. first moving image, right, that ever existed. Yeah. And, but no one knows his name, and he's kind of been written out of history, and it's like, well, we're going to be the first people to capture a UFO. Sell it to Oprah. And we are going to yeah. make sure that we can get... It's, it's almost... There's a subtext in there about re reclaiming black heritage within film yeah about um, reclaiming their place which i which i which i like and i think i think yeah. that, that's interesting um there's also a, sort of a tangent with this film director they bring in get that, that <laughs> very funny very tangent very funny and the whole use of film against digital yeah it's like, when, when, when the alien comes it shuts off all everything with yeah. a like, circuit board and the only way they're able to do it is by like literally rolling film on a yes. camera and that's how he's able to capture it i mean almost sometimes i think there was just too many Ideas. So the bit towards the end where the the silver headed, silver helmeted motorcyclist turns up. TMZ. Well, that's thing. At first, I thought, "What is this?" And then it reveals to be it's a joke, right? So yeah. It's TMZ, which is obviously this exploitative, you know, media channel. And 
um, I just thought, oh, okay, so that was a joke in the end. And, and it, does, it, it does function within the plot, but uh, I kept thinking, oh, is this going to be related to the, is it like something big going to happen? Oh, no, it's just that. Um, I thought it was quite symbolic that he was wearing this fully reflective chrome helmet, almost like he was personalityless, but he yes. just reflected everything else yeah. back at you. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, I, I got that. And, but the idea you could have introduced at that point in the story. Yes. But like, I was ready for it to be the, oh, this is what yes. it's about. I was fully ready for this to not be about aliens at all and yes. for it to be a huge twist yeah. 60% of the way through and I'd be like, oh shit, this is what the is film it, is. Is it bad that whenever a filmmaker really goes bold or like a filmmaker like Jordan Peele goes big with a bold concept, we expect them to land with a big twist at the end? Yeah. Do you think we're just a bit too conditioned to expect big turnaround i think but then i think maybe that's that kind of story like get out doesn't have a twist but it has a big reveal that makes everything make sense yes yeah. this doesn't really have a reveal it's just like it's a monster it's not a ufo it's a monster and, and then there's a moment where you kind of think daniel kilua might have died when he was bringing the monster away from yeah. kiki palmer and they have this really great exchange yeah. where the camera really focuses in on them and you can see they're like yeah. connecting and they're looking at each other and they're seeing that moment for me in, in a, where, where there was a plot with more to say could have been more powerful yeah. And when he's alive in the end, lovely. Great. I'm just didn't, really feel... didn't feel that much. Yeah. A great time with it. Mm. But I just left thinking, yeah, there could have been something else to it. So, you know, fine. Good stuff. Don't be discouraged, Jordan. Keep going. Not that you're going to listen to this <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, hey, mate, chill out. But, but you know, I will always, I always like watching a filmmaker make the film they wanted to make and, and that, that, that presenting his idea fully mm. in, his, in his own way and competently as well. Like I said, both of us, neither of us think that that film falls down at any point. No. Um, there might have been a bit at the beginning where I thought this is taking its time to build up, but then I just realized that it was just structured differently to the other two films. So I, th I will say, I think it was just really cool tension building when you would have the, the alien just flick between clouds mm. for a split second. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't hard. You knew exactly what you were looking at. Like mm. that's a UFO at the time. And I'm like, oh, that's such a good little, little yes. moment. And the cloud that doesn't move and yes. it's just hovering the clouds. And I just think the character of the filmmaker who had this like really gravelly, really gravelly gruff voice. And he was until like halfway through the movie, he was always presented like on one arm, yeah. sitting down, going right. through some of his most iconic shots he'd ever yeah. seen. Which were all about predators. Predators. And also apex predators being trumped by their lesson. Yes, it was like a, a boa constrictor killing, killing a, a white Siberian tiger yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just very cool. And uh, in the beginning, the uh, the like floor manager of the shoot is just or got the most amazing energy. He was like, okay, we're going to go for a take. Can you uh, tell the horse yeah. that we're going to go for a take? <laughs> um I think actually I would just like to say I love the sound design in oh, the half film. Fantastic. The, the, the creature has this sort of wailing scream ooh, where, ooh, it, ooh, where, it, where it kind of repeats the screams of whatever it sucks yes. up. So, you know, if it sucks up a whole load of people, as it goes past, you'll hear this kind of... And also the sounds of horses screaming as well. And yeah. it reminded me of Annihilation, the Alex Garland film. Do you remember seeing that? <laughs> yeah, but do you remember in that where the creature there's one bit where the creature has absorbed the scream of one of the women and then yes. comes back and, it, and repeats it back as it's core. and that's yes. kind of the, funny enough mentioning annihilation again kind of a flawed film but there's freakier moments in that actually than, yeah. than, than um uh nope but they really that's really there's not many crossover points between those two films so i don't really want yeah. to compare them um so yeah good sound design and effective imagery so what did, what did you make of the design when towards the end when the alien is like fully opened up and it's like this parachuted like a, like a paper lantern that's been cut and there's this sort of green core which well flaps and folds i actually wondered if they did any of that practically with material but i, I reckon they did here's didn't. what I, do you know what's a shame is 
in that moment when when it's become like this sort of ribbon-esque balletic elegant sort of like pokemon-esque creature yeah um and she's trying to get a picture of it and she and she does and it's all about proving the proving the authenticity of ufos i looked at it and i was like but i don't believe that that's real because it's completely cgi so when they show me the photo that captures the inflatable cowboy being eaten with things, i was like head that, that looks like a doctored photo to me because that's a CGI alien. How is that proof? There was, it was, it worked better when it was, a, was it just, was just a disc? But yeah. when it went for the, you know, um, Windows Media Player visualizer <laughs> look, right? With, yeah. the, with the cube, I kind of thought, um, yeah. And also in a way it didn't look like a predator. It, it didn't look like a kind of, I mean, predator with a small P, you know, yeah. like a predator that was going to eat things. It did as a disc because like it had this sort of like sea urchin design. Yes, with a hole that and, sucks and, and, up. And cross between like a, sting, um, a stingray and a sea urchin. Yes, stingray. It had that little like cut in the middle, yes. which is where the front was. But yeah. I don't, when, when, that, when it went like that full ribbon at the end, uh, it didn't land really. I thought it was cool, but I, I became increasingly aware that I was watching an, a CGI. You thing. know the film Life that came out, I want to say 2016, oh, 17? Wow, you know, um, I, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I remember Jake it. Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. That is a film which isn't bad, but it's just like there's an alien on board the ship and they get picked off one by one until the end when they kill it. Right. And like that's that's the story. Yeah. And I almost feel like not all the way there, but like this film is almost like there's an alien, they want to capture it on film. Yeah. And they're gonna try and, and they're gonna try and do that. It's it's a shame that the ideas couldn't match the visual spectacle in yeah. terms of size. It's sure. a shame that the ideas aren't as big as the visuals. Yeah. There's not that much of a gap, no. but it, but it's just like Normally, Jordan Peele's films are ideas are bigger than the imagery. Yes. This is the, the other way around. It's there's, there's yeah. no we 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 didn't talk about the film on our way back, so we were going to save it for this. But there wasn't very much I wanted to grab you and go. What did you think of yeah. this and this? And what about yeah. that? Which when I left the film for us and Get yes. Out, I was like just dripping with enthusiasm to like dissect yeah. the plot. Whereas whereas here, it's I'm like I of... want to know about little, little specific things. Yeah. It's quite. I, I liked the design of the UFO looking alien. Yeah. But I wasn't like, oh my god, what a because it, yeah, it also would have been dumb if this was like a weird someone someone from the side was controlling this thing to manipulate them. That also would have sucked. Mm. So I can't think of a better higher concept yeah, plan yeah. for this. We're not, not here to writer. say that oh, you know, you should have come up with a better ending. It's just it and it it works. It's just it's more of a curiosity more than I think a real knockout. Yeah, I think that's it. Should someone go and see it? I think if you like Jordan Peele, you're probably already going to go see it. Should someone go and see it? Well, this is this is actually quite hard because I have friends, we, we go see horror films together, right? Yeah. And they've been really keen to see No. But I'm going to say to them, it's not scary. Yeah, I, I can't recommend this film because it's scary. It's not thrilling in the thriller sense. It has moments of spectacle that are interesting. Very entertaining. Yes. I think his other films are more entertaining. But yeah, entertaining mm. enough. It's... Yeah, how how do I how this is the thing? How do I sell this to people? If you like actually? the look of it, go see it. I'd say, but I don't think you need to be like there with your intellectual pen and paper, wondering what it's gonna, how it's gonna change your yeah. perception. I if, think it will frustrate you if you do that. Yeah, enjoy it for the ride that it is. Just sit back and enjoy the spectacle. Yeah, I, and I will, you know. <laughs> and I think we're holding it up to. It's an original IP, which yeah, is so great. rare. I totally. I, and I, I would take, I would take notes. I would take five more notes coming yeah. out in the year than like things that just feel very tired or they're just like a very done format. Here's the thing, also about the limits of speaking about it in like a film podcast. And yeah. That naturally, in our enthusiasm for the film, we will follow every track about a, 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 a movie, and that will inevitably lead us to talking about where it doesn't quite work and where it, and what doesn't 
you know what maybe lets it down yeah that's not us saying we don't like it or criticizing it it's just observing it in, in all its form yeah with that i think we've probably covered enough ground with it but what i think would be great to hear is what other people made of it yes we've had lots of comments saying i can't wait to get your guys thoughts on this what do you think maybe you guys are more enthusiastic than we are maybe james and i have had what i had that time with once upon a time in hollywood maybe maybe you we and i've come back had, to it in a year you and i've seen it in the morning screening but if we watch it in a year's time uh we, we might get more out of it let us know what, what you think on instagram we were posting behind the not behind the scenes but just shots of us going into the imax and being silly buffoons so follow yes. instagram at popkitchenpodcast.com if you want to see action of when we do go to the cinema but yeah hello at popkitchenpodcast.com yeah write your in. thoughts and we'll read them out we can revisit this discussion in another episode when more people have seen it but yeah nope hmm curious George, should we go through some emails that we got this week? Let's do it. I love hearing from people. Theo wrote into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com just like you can. And he said, hey guys, big fan of the pod. Yay. I'm a film reviewer and heard you talking about men. Thought I'd drop the story of the press screening I was at. In which during the mad conclusion where Rory... Spoilers for men. Spoilers for men. We are going to do... Spoilers for men. There is a spoiler discussion that we had coming up. He's just going to mention something about the end. I thought I'd drop in the story of the press screening I was at in which during the mad conclusion where spoilers, Rory Kinnear is birthed into the world many, many times. Violently and bloodily. A journalist loudly shouted, for fuck's sake, Rory, not again. (laughs) Look forward to the men's spoiler therapy pod. Where do you even begin? Cheers, Theo. Yeah, I mean, where do you even begin? uh, George, would you say that at one of the many birthings of Rory Kinnear, you were ever like eye rolling for fuck's sake. I wasn't. I was. Not, I wasn't rolling. Oh right. I wasn't kind of like for fuck's sake. I was like, oh no, not again. Uh, and I remember just thinking, oh, it's so violent, it's just so disgusting. Um, then we have another email about men, I believe, at some do point. Do we? Maybe um, I'll find it. I'll do this just, one afterwards. Um, yeah, but I, I think my face was just doing this. James is looking surprised. Like, just like, like my mouth open, eyebrows raised, just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Where do I, you know when yeah. you like, you start trying to understand something and yeah. it's already evolved a few times before I can yes. even capture it. So I'm like, I'm like walking home, like scratching my head, yeah, thinking, I, look, I need to discuss this. I, I won't this. lie, the ending of Men isn't, a, isn't perfect. Um, no, but fantastic film that I think is, is being yeah. overlooked. Ashley also writes in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, hi both, feels like a broken record at this point, but I recently found your content via TikTok and was immediately drawn to not only your type of content, but also the way you both articulate points, your points so, so well. Oh, I followed kind. and turned on notifications almost instantaneously. Thank you. And that's what everyone should be doing. Turn on your notifications when we post. Um, I do a lot of long distance driving for work, mainly up and down the M4 from Cardiff and London. Good road. So thank you for keeping me company over the last few weeks. Much appreciated. Ashley, that's really cool. Thank you. I recently listened to episode 35, reacting to Marvel's phases five and six, which we did. We sort of broke down the the upcoming things. Uh, Towards the latter end of of the podcast, a viewer asked you about the possibility of the horror genre dying. While I'm glad you disagree and named some brilliant recent horror flicks such as It Follows and Lights Out, etc., I was shocked to hear you both thoroughly praised men. I thought the majority of it was fine. Not bad, not great, just fine. But I felt severely let down by the final 15 minutes. I felt like there was no cohesion from act one, two into three. Almost like the writers went, fuck it, let's take some raw hallucinogens and draw what we see and then wrote it into the film. I really liked the final scene between the protagonist and her ex-boyfriend, Spoiler, yeah. but everything in between I thought was farcical. What exactly am I missing? Why is my boy Rory Kinnear giving birth to himself <laughs> multiple times? Easily my least favorite Alex Garland film. Three out of ten. would be interesting to hear your takes on the not, not only the finale okay. itself, but also my opinion. Keep up the fantastic work. All the best, well, Ashley. You talk about 
you and I have had a discussion about men when, yes. I, when I see it, and that should be coming out at some point in the, on We've the channel, right? We've done spoiler interpretation yeah. analysis of and, that ending. And you, and you gave quite an interesting theory about it. So what I would say to Ashley is look stay out for put, it. look out for it. It should be coming out soon, and hopefully that gives you some catharsis and some answers, more than probably the ending of Men Did for itself. And I would say, I don't think what you've said is invalid. I don't think I, I agree, but I can see why that would... You would feel that way. Yes. Men as a title in the Men. font and the typeface which it's done. I think that invokes a reaction and an yeah. expectation of theme. That, that it's a really pointed idea, yeah. Yeah, it's very like, hey, yeah, here we go. We're, we're going there. We're going about men. and then, But actually, it's not as clear cut as that, is it, really? And then the ending is just, go listen to our... You know we, we're going to drop it soon. We're sorry we haven't. We've been saving some content. Yeah. But it's, it's a All film right. that deserve, deserves to be discussed. So there you go on, men. Makes email. This next one's from Joe. Hi lads, loving the pod. I was just interested to see if you had any thoughts on a few controversial things that happened in the movie world recently. Firstly, the cancellation of Batgirl. I have mixed thoughts yeah. on this. I think it's awful for the team that worked on it and it's a shame that we won't get to see Brendan Fraser as the villain, love Brendan Fraser. Mm. But on the other side, I feel like for a company who happily released Suicide Squad and Justice League that canceled this says a lot about maybe the quality of the movie. Mm could have been a blessing in disguise. The other thing is how recently streaming services are getting rid of their own originals. I know HBO Max have gotten rid of a load and I think Netflix are planning on it. Does this now prove that physical media is still so important? That's from Joe. Okay. Interesting question there. We'll try and answer these quickly. That first point about Batgirl, yeah, that was a really interesting story. So Warner Brothers filmed Batgirl, cost $70 million. They filmed it entirely in Glasgow. It had Michael Keaton in it. It had Brendan Fraser and... Uh, I think even Ezra Miller was going to be in it as the Flash, yeah. right? And then they test screened it as they do with all films and it was not reading well with the test audience and they made the very rare decision to not even release it. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is I, I read that it's if they don't release it, then they don't have to report a loss on their books, right? Really? Yeah. Wow. So if you, if you put it out there and you make, you lose money, you have to report it. So it, they can just sit it as a, as a, as a I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the finances. Experimental but test. But obviously, it's, it seems like this incredibly like wasteful act and is very sad for the talent involved and the people who worked on it. Not just the big names but and, and the directors, but all the, the people who devoted probably three months of their pr time on that project, probably yeah. turned down other projects to work on that. The One's local groundwork... You know, it, it's a that's a big film to to, to pull, and that's a, and that's a it's real a big, a huge as big as IPs get. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about a film that was made for five million dollars and gets released five years from now. Yeah. It's like this is this is yeah an IP recognizable, recognizable IP um, that's been that's been shelved. That is, I I, I think it, I think it's waste. Sorry, sorry for the motorbike. Um, I think it's wasteful um, and really disappointing. And but you haven't seen it. Cynical. Well, I could know, but th this is it, right? It could, it could be awful. And as, as the email says, if it's, if it's worse than Justice League and worse than Batman's... Um, 2017 Superman, Justice League, especially. Yeah, 2016, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, if, it's, if it's rougher than that, then maybe they're right. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they go, guys, we're not... We're not going to put out their half finished because what's more depressing? Going to see it, and, and you know what we all would have said? We all would have said, this isn't finished. This is awful. Yeah. How have they released this? DC is so bad. Like, so I think maybe DC are really trying to turn the cruise ship on the perception of their films. Which is what they, they basically said this was. They said, we've, we've changed our entire strategy and this is now out of date. So we're not going to release it. We've got a 10-year plan to protect the DC brand. They've got the money and the time. Fine. To... So, so yeah, I, I, we haven't seen it. So we'll guess we'll never know. It's just, there's also something, you know, this concept of streaming services mm. 
uh, deleting, yeah. erasing content that they no longer feel like is worthy of their platform is, is another thing. Yeah. I think we've become incredibly reliant on a digital service mm. in some server farm mm. supplying us with content. I'm not saying that I think the Netflix original library is one of the greatest libraries that exists Absolutely known to man. Not. I think opposite. But imagine if like there was a show that you loved that nobody else did, but like you knew you could watch it infinitely on Netflix. There was a mm. Netflix original that you paid your subscription for. Yeah. And all of a sudden Netflix is like, no, this is a gone forever well they wouldn't take them off the platform would they they wouldn't make any more right oh i thought i thought it's like they're taking stuff off this is hbo max removing stuff from their platform oh. it's not it's not cancelling shows it is literally like taking it off the platform. that's what i this is a big like. problem in in video games by the way because video games now people don't buy them physically you can do but people don't buy them physically you buy them digitally but you're still dependent on like playstation or xbox letting you download the game versus if you have like a game cartridge from the 90s you That's can yours, play yeah. that forever. Same thing with yeah, the DVD, yeah, yeah. Right? Same with any media. Yeah. Music, same thing. Spotify could just get rid of... Just go... In the same way that like Neil, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pulled their stuff off, off of Spotify yeah. earlier this year. And it's like, oh, so unless you own a Joni Mitchell, Neil Young CD, yeah. that's it then. But you buy it a la carte. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I think we're going to hear more stories about this. Is wherever it's, just, it is interesting to see how the landscape is But at the same shifting. time, I think... It, the, the value proposition of buying every single piece of film, music a la carte wasn't working. No. It was too expensive. Oh, gotcha. And, and oh, people gotcha. pirated everything. Yeah. But I guess what you lose in a sense of like valid ownership, sorry, what you gain, what you, you lose you, from valid ownership. It's a rental market, not, a, a, rental not a buyer's market. market. Yeah. yeah. I, on that, um, I wanted to just, you and I don't have Paramount Plus, but they've just launched it in the UK. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, there's big adverts everywhere about it. And I haven't engaged with it, but I am actually like, that is a very bold thing to have done. I mean, they were always going to do it, but they are late to the game. Really it's so late that this year there have been so many stories about streaming, how the streaming world is changing. Netflix is suffering. They're, they're, and subscriptions are going down, especially going like down. in the economic climate we're facing. So many, well, exactly. So many stories saying people, one of the first things to, when they tightening their belts, cancelling Netflix, is cancelling their, their subscriptions, right? And then Paramount Plus come along. And I've heard it firsthand. I've said to people, like, I've said to my parents, I was like, you love The Godfather, that the offer, the series about the making of The Godfather is on Paramount Plus. I really yeah. want to see it. I said, w w are you going to watch it? And they were like, I can't, we can't sign up to another yeah. one. There's too many. It's such a saturated market. My parents, and I think our parents' generation, hate subscriptions. Yes. They hate the idea of spent of like giving money automatically every month. And we are so much more used yeah. to it. But you know what? This is it's all in the, the, the streaming hands, isn't it? Because it's like it's basically buffet pr pricing, isn't it? Yes. It's like you buy a ticket, you can go watch whatever you want. But Eat it's like the, the watching, that's on you. We yeah. don't have to like bring you stuff per ticket. It's like, we've got it all here. You've paid your ticket, go help yourself. And yeah. people and people to really use it. Interesting. Next next email. This one is from Julia. Hey, Greetings Julia. from Sweden. Sweden, we got Sweden. a Swedish email. First of all, Hi. love the podcast. Like many others, I found it on TikTok a few months ago and started binging. I love hearing the discussions and she's put stealing lines through it slash repeating your points <laughs> to all of my friends. Um, I'll try to keep this short. Personally, I love a chip click movie where nothing really happens. I cannot tell yeah. you how ecstatic I was to hear that you referenced Down With Love a few episodes ago as it is one of my... I cannot tell you how ecstatic I was to hear you reference Down With Love a few episodes ago as it is one of my, as it is one of my all time favorite movies. 
I'm also a fan of big movie commentaries on YouTube. Although I love all the content creators I watch, I find there is a huge disparity in how chick flicks and movies aimed for teenage girls are received. When it comes to 90s or noughties movies, the female commentators often feel nostalgic and, for, and talk positively about the movie or how much they loved it growing up. In the case of newer releases like Tall Girl, which isn't exactly a masterpiece, they often make a fun critique of the movie as all commentators do, but usually find something good to take away from it or where the movie could have gone. Right. I find that male creators often complain about plot holes, call such movies stupid, wish for more exciting plot points and are surprised that the movies are, quote, actually funny, saying things like, why is this good? Or why am I invested now? I think this is such a shame. I was wondering if you had any opinions on favorite chick flicks or movies aimed for a female audience. I also wondered if you, if you had any examples of movies that have been written off as chick flicks or rom-coms when they really aren't. A big open-ended, but I'd love to hear a discussion about it. Keep up the great work, Julia. P.S. I'd love an episode about chick flicks versus dude bro movies. Well, massive questions there. Massive uh, ones. Uh, dude bros, chick flicks, all that kind of stuff. I, I, uh, where do you even start? I mean, I, I just try not to see things through that lens. But Julia, I do have a nice surprise for you. In the time since your email has come in, mm. <laughs> I have gone and watched Down With Love now, and I can give you my thoughts thusly. Um, Down With Love, do you remember, it was when we were talking about Peyton Reed, who directed Ant-Man. Yes. They mentioned he made this film in 2003. It's set in the 60s. It's got Ewan McGregor, um, René Zellweger, Sarah Paulson. And it is this, basically, I describe it as a raunchy sex comedy um, pastiche um, farce um, that is completely camp and... Uh, can barely keep a straight face, right? And I, it was famous for being a bit of a flop at the time and is now kind of having its moment being rediscovered. Um, I watched it and I had an absolute who. It is so much fun. Yeah. It is so witty. What year again, sorry? 2003. Okay. Visually witty, script witty. It's fast paced, it's fast talking. Oh, it sounds great. There's little bits of some like it hot in there. There's little bits of the apartment there. It's like the horniest episode of Mad Men you've ever seen. Right? Really? It talks about sex all the time. There's no sex scene in it, but it's just about... Um, you know, by setting in the 60s about um, w women's liberation and, and you know, um, sexual liberation coming through. And Ewan McGregor plays this Playboy uh, magazine writer called Catcher Block. And Rene Zellweger plays, oh my God, I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, Thingy Novak, right? Uh, and she's written this book, which is like this manifesto about down with love. You don't need love. You can, you, women can get the same satisfaction um, from love as they can from chocolate, right? It's yeah. all about, but women can have sex, right? And um, you've got those as the primary characters. And then like all good farces, you have supporting characters. You have Sarah Paulson as Rene Zellweger's editor, who's kind of um, like... Her first scene is like she comes out of an elevator, smoking a cigarette, and the elevator is just filled with smoke. <laughs> and uh, um, Hugh McGregor's, you know, second hand is his editor, played by David Hyde Pierce from uh, who's who's Niles in Frasier, right? Who looks okay. like he's walked straight off the set of Frasier and gone straight into Down with Down with Love and right. played the exact same character shamelessly. Do what, that thing, yeah. He he does it great, but like if you've been playing that character for ten years, you might as well come on and do it this. And you have you know, people mistaken identities, people going undercover, people doing accents, uh, people, um, you know, turning up at parties while the other one leaves the, leaves out the other door. Right, okay. It's so much fun. But what I think it is, is that it's so full and so rich and vibrant and full of its own style. Oh, wow, I'm, that I'm in. I, Yeah, that I think, I, I'm not actually in a way surprised that in 2003 people were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I, I don't understand this. Before this is just time. too, you know, you've got, at the time, you, you and McGregor had just done Moulin Rouge, 
and was in Star Wars and Renee Zellweger had just done Chicago and like peak 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 for them and I think it's a real shame that people didn't um stand up to meet this meet this film they do really I hate it's a cliche but they don't make them like that anymore like even even though that film itself is a is a throwback to different types of cinema from the past like just having that confidence to be that specific and that niche and that funny um is that great? A great who? It's on Disney Plus. Oh, um, great! I was literally about to ask you where can I watch yeah, it. Yeah, uh, it's fun. Just go with it. And and, and there are some. Uh, there's bits in it that could be almost in an Austin Powers film. Really? It's, okay. It's fun. Down Ooh. with love. Anyway, there you go, Julia. Huge praise. Um, I can't remember the rest about, of your question. But... About this whole uh, gendered reactions to films. I think. Look, modern films are definitely the, the critique is that every single film is made for the 14 year old boy audience yeah. and i think in a lot of ways that's true and i think you could also make an argument that it isn't i think in the era that you and i grew up in films were far more gendered yes this is a girly movie yes this is a boy's movie and i think while there is the teenage superhero transformer verse that we live in now i do think apart from that mm. films aren't this is for girls, this is for boys. Yeah, I, I think we have kind of moved on from that. It's like the cinema executives finally realized that they can make just as much money from women as they exactly. can from men. It's like yeah. trying to make films for everyone. Like, like you, you want your rom-com to be smart and appealing mm. to both guy and to both guy yeah. and girl. And I think that has changed in the way we market films. So if you've got your dude bro YouTube commentator doing a review of a film, I think when we look at the poster, we look at the trailer, that will give you a really weird indication as to what that film was for and probably creates mm. this impression of like, well, why do I like this? This mm. is like bubblegum pop, pink mm. font. Like, like if you look at the, um, the, the, the cover art for Clueless, yes. you might be like, why would a dude bro watch that film? But it's great and it can it's, be enjoyed by everyone. Yeah, this is why it's quite like you and I have always try we just we just don't really look at things through that lens i have lens, two older right? sisters i didn't have a choice exactly. what i watched and i, up, I just so. i and i've always just liked films so i don't yeah. care whether it's it, good whether it's if it yeah if, if it's good i'll watch it that yeah. really is my criteria yeah. so and why is it you know who's to say that there's n- not something in mean girls or clueless or easy a that i can't enjoy because i'm a man yeah, like mean like, girls like the bright pink and yeah, everything I, I, like you would just dismiss that as any other like girly trash you know, it's, it's similarly like when i said um recently like uh, jennifer's body like looks like a like a yeah. trashy chick but like yeah. there's plenty of stuff that you can enjoy in that so um they don't, don't they don't make them like they used to and they don't market them like they used to, which yeah. is, I think, why you get that. As far as why people comment the way they do on a film, that's for them. I don't yeah. really... I can't I comment, don't comment on why they have comment that. on the commenters, yeah. But, you know, this is the thing that keeps coming up about, about chick flicks and wanting Good. a bit yeah. more. But, yeah, hopefully that uh, answers your question a little bit. This one is from Jack. Jack writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like you can. It says, hi, boys, big fan. I've boys. just recently finished the show Under the Banner of Heaven. And right. I quite enjoyed it. Yes. It's a Mormon detective show based on a true crime story. Great cast, in my opinion. Andrew Garfield, good in everything. Yep. Wyatt Russell, that's him saying that, not me, but I also yeah, agree. I agree with that. I agree. Uh, Wyatt Russell, yeah, I think he's, he's quite underrated. I liked him a lot in this. Sam Worthington, the first time I've seen him is anything other than that Avatar guy. Yeah. Though he was also great. Uh, lots more, including Daisy Edgar-Jones and Rory Culkin. And he yeah. hams it up a little bracket. Okay. Uh, I think this is Give a good, compelling show that's a bit too packed with backstory. Love to see, love to hear if you have seen any of it or are planning to. Yeah, Jack, look, look, I, I've, it, that's on Disney Plus as well. Yeah. And, I, and I see it and I go, when I have time, I yeah. can really only handle one series at a time. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very much just about to be finished with Better Call Saul. And then mm. I think, then I'm open. I'm open for business and it'll probably be under the banner of heaven. On that, you know that uh, Vince Gilligan is shopping around his next. Yeah. 
IP. Because it's an original one and everyone is so Could excited. You, he must be getting so much money thrown at him yeah. to do, to like, to have ownership for his next show. I can't, I can't tell you how, how fucking I'm so amazing. excited to go back into Better I, I cannot tell you how superb this series actually like, I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so happy that it's just so well crafted. Maybe I should watch it and we do a deep dive in a month and just go through. You think everything. you could get through all six seasons? Uh, well, I've seen three of them, but maybe I need maybe to go you do back. recaps and then you do. I think you could do it because I've just been like, I'd love to do that. Anyway. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah. This next one is from Shane from Texas. Hey, and you know why I know it's from Texas because he drops a couple of yalls in his oh, email, yeah. which we just love. So Shane writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, "Hi guys, my name is Shane from Texas. Well, first of all, I'll just <laughs> let you know that I love your podcast. Y'all are amazing, a very good looking oh, guy. Yeah, he's gonna be <laughs> turning us off. Now. I he, will stop. But the I want to know: is he like? Is he like Dallas or Houston or like Austin? Shane, where in te- Texas is big? Place. It's hard for us. Texas is like four times the size of the UK. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. By the way, I mentioned this to James off screen, but I want to say it again now. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen this already, there's a video on YouTube of Fred Armisen. Oh yeah. Fantastic comic character actor doing all the accents of all the states in the US. Better than we could ever do. That is so funny and so brilliant. He has a whole bit about Texas that I I just love. Go seek it out. Anyway, what does Shane have to say? Shane, he says, y'all are amazing and very good looking guys. Congrats on winning the genetics lottery. (laughs) The question I wanted to ask you is what are your thoughts and experiences rewatching a film that either you watched when you were younger or the film was deemed for a certain age group that you aged out of? For example, I rewatched Forrest Gump recently. I actually find myself not finding it as endearing as I did before years ago in my early 20s. But now getting closer to my 30s, what I found myself loving more than anything is one scene from it. It's where Forrest is in front of Jenny's grave. That hit oh, me more than yeah. ever now because I have a context to connect that with. <laughs> he says, you know, a few loved ones in my life that the, I hold dear. We buried you on the Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that movie is now more than ever before. I appreciate that movie now more than ever before. Had a similar experience recently, question mark sorry for the long email a supporter to y'all always shane thank you shane i don't know how to answer that i was going to say oh well like we talked about before like 500 days of summer like Mm. what i am going to do is refer to the films i always refer to and don't worry i'm going to get james to do it at one point which is the before films yes the reason i bring up the before films again and the before trilogy is because those films what works with this they exist in time what Mm -hmm. i mean by that is the first film is uh you know about they're in their 20s. Second film, and I'm not trying to talk about plot, the second film in their 30s, and then the third film, they're in their 40s, right? And it's like, when I first watched the first film, I was in my, I was the same age as those characters. Mm. And I really engaged them, and I really related to them, and I really got it. I've, in the years subsequent to that of rewatching it, I have had different feelings towards those characters and how they behave now. So as I've got older into my later 20s, I found myself responding much more strongly to the second film and those characters in their early 30s and looking at these characters in their early 20s and going, ah, I actually think differently to that now. I feel differently about you as a character. Mm. But in a way that is not to the film's detriment, it makes actually the film more more rich. It's almost like reacting to a real person. So there are moments now with Before Sunrise, I think, oh, at the time I found that, I used to love it when Jesse made that point, but now I feel like, oh, I know know that kind of person you you are now and I, I react to you differently. I don't want to try and spoil it. James, I have a whole plan for the before films for you and we'll get to it. But that is, in short, my answer for you there, Shane. I definitely have something that's very similar because it's a very common thing with yeah. getting older and specifically becoming an adult. Yeah. And, you know, when you like realise your parents aren't superheroes and you realise, oh. oh, like, 
they were my age when they they don't have kids. But you know, yeah. like you see a picture of them, and you're like, oh, that's my mum and dad at my mm. age. They're just people too trying to yeah. figure it out, and it really makes you completely rethink. Like, and someone can say that to you. Sorry, sirens are on our, are on our end. Someone can say that to you a million times, yeah. but it's only until you actually have that moment of realization that you go, like, oh shit, everyone's just trying yeah, to do. They everything. don't know what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's a great thing. When you see a picture of your parents and they look like adults, but they're young yeah. adults, and you realize like they're younger than you. So yes. you see a picture of your parents when they're twenty-four. Yes. And you're like. Oh, I'm 28. I'd say an example would be, which is kind of similar to your Forrest Gump one, but when I watched Coco and the about, you know, when it talks about memory loss and Alzheimer's with an old person, like I had a few years before gone through something very similar, huge bum out, no, but I don't think I would have had anywhere near no. to the emotional reaction I had at the end of Coco than yeah. in that film. There are, there are, I just, I have, it, I have this more with music. There are certain songs and things that like, when I was younger, I was like, that's cool. And the older I get, the more of an emotional reaction I have to them that mm. I think I will get to the point where I'll be able, where I'll listen to a song and not only will I cry, if I, li- I, 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 I actually think like if I listen to the song in my 50s, I can't, I won't be able to listen to it because it'll just be so resonant and real. Yeah. And you know, the idea of loss and growth and regret. Age and patinering your impression on everything. Beautifully put there. Yeah. yeah. This is new. Hey, Polky. Polky. We've never been like just abbreviated to like Polky. It. Portmanteau. Got I hope it. you were both... <clears throat> hope you are both well first off loved the past few mcu segments you have done and you really nailed down my feelings for the mcu at the moment hopefully the next lot of movies will get us back on track yes if you didn't know we ended up doing three mcu yes. episodes by kind of by accident we did a two-part breakdown of all the directors that have been involved in yes. the mcu what work they did before the work they did for marvel and the work they did afterwards it, we split it into two parts because there yeah. were quite a lot and then basically once we published that episode kevin feige announced like the entire slate yeah. of the next four years of marvel and we went through all of those and what we yeah. thought and excited so if you haven't listened to those please go and check them out but uh, Daniel says, another question for you. Have you guys watched the Bollywood movie RRR on Netflix yet? I saw a lot of reviews and clips of this movie on TikTok and YouTube, so finally gave it a watch. Got to say, I loved it. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of the year so far, and I've never watched a Bollywood movie before. Don't let the three-hour runtime put you off if you haven't seen this. It flies by. Keep up the good work, Daniel. I haven't seen RRR. You're not the first uh, person to, to write about, about that. I, I know it's been this huge breakout hit um, on streaming, and every person I know who's seen it has said... It's crazy. You have to. Literally, the only thing I'm struggling with is just trying to find three hours where I can sit down and watch it and, yeah. and enjoy it. Um, but it's definitely on my list. Um, I, I, I've seen a little bit of Bollywood, but I'd love to see more. Hi, both. This one is from Kane. Hi, both. Love your work. Been hey. following for months and often re listen to your back catalogue when doing cooking, cleaning, or just generally in the background. A re listener. You get a medal, sir. Wow, Kane. If you there. are re listening, not if you're listening to this, if yeah. you're re listening to this, it, that congrats, mean that, oh, man. I want to go back to the one where George made the Reuben sandwich. Yeah, yeah let's, go, <laughs> let's go back to that. Yeah. What was the one where. What was the sausage <laughs> pasta? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, no, that's so cool. Thank you so much. Um, re-listening to episode 22 last night. Throwback. I love a 90-minute movie. Yes. Neither of you mentioned the classic that is Mean Girls at 97 minutes. Ah, well, For the yeah. cultural impact and longevity that it has, it is a surprise it is so short. Where do you rank Mean Girls? Um, I think 
we've me- we keep mentioning me. We literally talked about it a couple of years. I feel like ago. we mention it all, almost every week as like a poster child. It does just get thrown in there quite a lot. I love Mean Girls. I mean think girls it's great. Brilliant. I haven't yeah. seen it in years yeah. and I, I'm sure it's still brilliant. Lindsay Lohan's great as well. Yeah, I'd love to rewatch it. Tina Fey pen script. And yeah, she's Rachel McAdams just nailing Regina George. I think, I think. Amy you know, Paula as the mom. Okay, guys, how are you? I Do you want a condom? I think of kind of Bridesmaids in a similar way, which is when I first watched Bridesmaids and Mean Girls, I was like, yeah. Yeah, okay, those are kind of cool. Yeah. Again, at the time, not marketed to people like us. And then I go back and watch it, and yeah, Mean Girls is brilliant. Just so funny. And I, I, I remember... I remember watching like with a group of people. Above the rest. When I watched it with a group of people, um, the last time I watched it, I was laughing the most, like yeah. every single scene. And it got to the point where people said... Like everyone was enjoying it, but they're like, George, you are like really liking this film, aren't you? You are really enjoying it. Um, and similarly with Bridesmaids, I think that's just wonderful. And like it's still quoted. She doesn't even go here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I like, I saw Regina George wearing army pants and flip flops. So I bought army pants and flip flops. <laughs> I remember going, my whole family went to go see that in cinema. And like wow. my sister had dragged us to go see, can we go see yeah. Mean Girls? Again, marketing, like poster. Yeah. And we were all like, fine. But my mum, my, my dad, we were all in hysterics in the cinema watching but, it because it's so but funny. But this is the thing. I've, I, uh, we, uh, you and I, have long held that like, oh yeah, Mean Girls is great. And most people we know love Mean Girls, and we yeah. know it's really funny. But obviously, I forget that there was a time when I hadn't seen Mean Girls, and I thought, well, that really dumb-looking yeah. film that wasn't marketed Lindsay to Lohan. me. And then, and then there obviously was the turning point when people go, oh, and you realise this film is very funny, very smart. Yeah. What do you mean? I was like, um, she's talking to her parents. It's something like they're going off to the concert. It's like, what do you mean you don't want to go? You love the music of Lady Blacksmith Mombasa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the principal's like, I will keep you here all night. We can't keep them past five. I will keep you here till five. <laughs> um, and then Kane yeah. adds, uh, P.S. Can we get more stories and background information from James? A great storyteller. The info on IMAX and the lost bag on the plane were great additions. <laughs> Best wishes, Kane. That's very shall kind. I, I will I just try. go? Yeah. Shall I, is this, uh, is this my cue to leave? I don't, I don't think people would like the lost bag on the plane. No. But, uh, yeah, I will try to keep the stories coming. But uh, that's very kind. This one is from Ben from Boston. Hi, Pop Which Kitchen. Boston? Boston, USA or Boston, Lincolnshire? I assume... Oh... Yeah, we don't know. Maybe we can tell by the way he writes in. Hi, Pop Kitchen. Have you seen the documentary? This hey, film, uh, not you yet. Have seen the... Uh, you have seen the documentary. Is this, it no Boston? They bought, um, Boston. No, hang on, it's like Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Hey. Peter Griffin. Boston. No, it's... Is, it, is that Boston? Yeah. The, the, Massachusetts. Departed. Departed. The Departed. Yeah. In Quincy. Hey. Right. You're in Southie. Southie. Going down Yonkers. And, uh, That's New hey, York. No, no, it's Mark Wahlberg. Hey. hey. He's hey. a Southie. He's a Southie. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, um, whoever what the, just, or like Leonardo DiCaprio? Ben, I'm so sorry, Ben. If you if you are Le- from Boston, Leonardo DiCaprio is in the therapy session with what's the face? Um, Vera Farmiga. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck is this? You give me some fucking pill yeah, and this and that. Yeah, yeah Jackie. Anyway, what's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference? <laughs> Have you sorry. seen the documentary? This film not yet rated. It's about the Motion Picture Association and how it assigns ratings to films. Many famous directors and actors are interviewed about how the rating process distorts what is both acceptable yeah. and commercially viable to create. Sorry, go on, George. No, I was just say he said Motion, motion Picture Association, which means he's American, which means he's right from the Boston, uh, USA, because Boom. if he was British, he would be saying BBFC. You just Sherlocked him. <laughs> The documentary makers end up hiring a private investigator to uncover the identity of MPA members who are supposed to be anonymous, and they end up being exactly who you would expect them to be. For a climax, they submit the documentary to the MPA for a rating. Also, curious to hear your thoughts on Movie 43. The cast alone is worth (laughs) discussing. Whenever I discuss that a friend hasn't seen it, I get them to agree to watch the first scene. We inevitably end up watching the whole movie. It's one of my favorite movies to show people, just to get their reactions to the myriad ridiculous vignettes. 
Thanks to all you do, Ben from Boston. Right, what was the first bit? First bit was about this film is not yet rated. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard no, about it. Sounds it sounds cool. very interesting. Um, I, the only thing I really have to say in response is that there was a, there's a British filmmaker called Charlie Shackleton. He used to be, he used to go by Charlie Lyme, but he's Charlie Shackleton now. He made a protest film, um, which was a I think a 600 minute film of paint drying on a wall <laughs> called Paint Drying. But because he <laughs> released it as a film, it had to be watched by the BBFC to be rated. So to protest- Just in case there wasn't yeah. a massive dick in the middle yeah, of yeah. it. So he was just like, there you go. And they had to watch 600 minutes of paint drying, which I think is genius. How many hours is 600 minutes? That's six. Um, a lot. That's I mean, 60. I don't know. It's a lot of minutes. I'm, take... not a, I'm not a mathematician. Ask my accountant. I don't know. No, um, it's not 60 second, hours. Second part of that email? Second thought, movie 43. Uh, haven't seen it. To be honest with you, don't really want to see it. I remember listening to Kermode at the, at the time <laughs> and when it came out. And I think what happened is those filmmakers were able to trick loads of people to being in it because they made it over like four years. Yeah. And when someone was like, oh, I can't do it. I'm not free till like, you know, two years from now. They're like, we'll wait. We'll wait. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to. I, 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 I don't. I'm so sorry. I'm so. There are so many things I want to see. Mm. I I really can't see myself putting on movie 43. It's always the idea of what if so many people were in it, it would be impossible for someone to not want to watch it. Yes. Like if we caught everyone. Yeah. Do you remember the uh, New Year's Eve, Valentine's yeah, yeah, yeah. Day? Oh yeah, the ensembles. The yeah, the ones, ensembles yeah. where like no one's paid, but they all get a cut of the gross of the film. Yes, I remember you saying, yeah. Yeah, that's usually how the, the structure, because you usually can't afford to have like all of those stars, like Jennifer Aniston, Bradley yeah, Cooper, yeah. and like 50 others. Um, yeah, I, 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 I believe you. I can't, I can't, I don't think I'm going to find myself watching movie 43 though. Yeah, sorry. But thanks for the, you know. Thank you. Last one from Trevor from LA. Oh, Trevor from LA. Trevor from LA. With the friend who didn't know what a movie was. Yeah, that was an amazing email we got about. Yeah, sorry, I'll let you know. No, it was about someone who had, uh, he'd met someone who had never ever seen a film and then he broke down the films that he was going to offer up for him to see and he polled it and then he sort of run it by us. We discussed it and revealed it. It was great. And it was Forrest Gump he went with, I think. He went with Forrest Gump and the options were The Matrix. I have this Uh, image now that that guy is now like loves movies and he's like comic book guy. Yeah. Just sits in his chair all day watching things like- Just like absorbing content. ever. Yeah. Um, Hey Trevor, good to have you back. Thank you again, Trevor from LA. Uh, Great episode on films you've never seen. This is our last episode that we just did. It's always been one of my favorite film-related topics to discuss. The most famous film I've never seen is Schindler's List. I just can't bring myself to watch it because I just know it's going to make me angry. I haven't watched 12 Years a Slave for the same reason. Oh, I mean, you are missing some genuinely incredible films. They are are really uncomfortable and challenging watches, but so important because of because of what what what, what they depict and, and and like saying oh it'll make you feel angry i mean that's just like one kind of very broad emotion to apply to the, yeah. the beauty of those two films is that they really uh, rise a lot of different emotions a lot of different feelings he's um, tying up your thing just there sorry uh, just for the listeners my my his mic's my just loose. coming loose I'm, I'm trying yeah um yeah those films part of what i think is important is that it is make, made to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, in Schindler's List, a lot of the scenes that you're seeing put on camera are direct recreations of some of the photography that <laughs> I just can't <laughs> mix, George. Sorry, finish your point. So I would often like direct uh, recreations of some of the most famous images of the Holocaust, like when, you know, the character played by Ray Fiennes who used to snipe people from yeah. his room downstairs. Yeah, like, that to. is a real thing that happened and the ways in which they burned the bodies. I mean, not, not to get into it, but um, 
I, I think it's just an incredibly important and film. And the ending of Shinnacist is so profound and poignant. And yeah. Um, so I, what can I say? Well, I 12 years of staying I mean, like, so, you know, so powerful. Uh, hot take. Those films are great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great um, podcast. Uh, but to answer your question, are there, his question is, are there any films that we do, haven't he, seen? He go, he's going to go into a couple of hints. Okay. I just interrupted Sorry. to interject. Should we fix your mic? Yeah. <laughs> We're back. Um, just a couple of quick hits. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. There is a gorgeous 4K UHD remaster that just came out this year. Mm. Highly recommend that version for when you watch it, especially if you've got a big TV and a great sound system. That does sound tempting. I will say sometimes when they release films in ultra sharp 4K and remaster them, it can take away a bit of the yeah. old charm. I, charm. I remember when I watched a remastered version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I felt like, because I used to watch that on VHS. Yeah. And yeah, it looked great. But almost I felt like the, the dustiness yeah, of the set. It's about tactility of the, of the, 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 film the mise-en-scene. Yeah. yeah, and the film wasn't made with that level of resolution and clarity. Yeah. And I feel like some details would have been almost... And I feel like some details wouldn't have been picked up on when they were making it, but it's now visible to see. But yeah. I, that is good to know that it's been remastered. It's like you don't always need to see it in the cold light of day. Yes. Yeah. Robin Hood... Because sorry, we talked about some films that we hadn't hadn't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. Robin Hood in all caps exclamation mark. First of all, de definitely recommend Prince of Thieves with Costner. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's good. And he says it's a lot of fun. It's one of those films that my family always watched when I was a kid. Also, suggestion for a future episode: the films of your family. The films of your family watched. The films of your family watched during your childhood. These are the films <laughs> of my family. Uh, you also forgot one other Robin Hood, the spoof Robin Hood, Men in Tights with Carrie Ulis, Carrie Ulis, and a very young Dave Chappelle from 1993. Yeah, the Mel Brooks film. Yeah, I like Prince of Thieves. I can't say I've seen it in this millennium. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I, I will. I'll give it a watch. It's got Alan Rickman in it. I know it's the bad guy. Yes. What are we out with a spoon, Mr. Potter, our newest celebrity. Yes. Seven Samurai. Once you watch it and get into Kurosawa and have watched Rashomon, I would love to hear you revisit The Last Duel with Affleck and Matt Damon. Perhaps a huh. short bonus ep. The Duel is basically a rehash of the formula established in Rashomon. Yes. Also, just a little silly note. Your section on Kurosawa reminded me of a very, fu very funny Reddit post from last year about samurai films. I'll put a screenshot below. Hope you and your family's doing okay in the drought. I live in LA and can tell you it can be pretty scary. Cheers, Trevor it, from it, LA. No, it's funny about the drought. The UK has had its first ever drought. It was declared. Declared. Yeah. We, we are in a drought. Coming soon. Yeah. Um, and then Trevor from LA also says, P.S. Bend it like Beckham does mostly hold up, though the athlete in love with coach thing is a little problematic in 2022. Okay, do you want to read his Reddit so post? So let's just go through. So the Reddit post that he Oh, attached. the Reddit post. Oh, that's in the email. So the, the, the last duel with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, yeah. you and I saw, loved, felt like it was criminally well, yeah. underseen and maybe a bit misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, I know you, you. You did a review of it, and then I, I think I came back weeks later. But yeah, I, I, that's good, solid. Yeah, good I didn't film know that. it was uh, linked to Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. And then the Reddit link, the screenshot that he sent. I'll just read that out now. It's titled "How do I tell my boyfriend I hate samurai films?" <laughs> my 24-year-old boyfriend and me, 29 think samurai films are the height of cinema and I hate them. He gets so excited to show me these films and I want to enjoy them, but goddamn, they're just so boring and unrelatable <laughs> and long. 
I try so hard to get into them. I've sat through so many that I just find my mind wandering and thinking about literally anything but what's in front of me. It's not a problem with foreign films. We watch a lot together that I really enjoy, but the samurai films haunt my fucking dreams. I know this sounds bad, but I genuinely have zero interest at all, but I keep pretending because he seems so excited for me to watch them and I keep trying, but honestly, I don't know if I can keep doing it. He set it out so we watch at least three a week and it's killing Whoa. me. How do I tell him that I think they're so they're boring as batshit and I can't watch them all of the time? I'm happy to make the effort for him and watch them every now and then, but this lockdown is bad enough about <laughs> every evening being samurai night. Please help me. Uh, well, obviously she's not written into the show, but I would just say, you need to just say to him, just say, I don't, I can't, I can't. Three is a lot. You've, done, you've been a real trooper doing three a week. Um, shame. There you go. Those were the emails that received this week. I love our listeners. I think they're yeah. amazing. They are smart. They give us really good recommendations. Yeah. Just great questions. Yeah. If you are listening to the show and you thought maybe I should email him, maybe I should or shouldn't, would it be yeah. embarrassing? Please just do it. Yeah. We love and it. Also, if you're listening in a country that we haven't heard from yet, oh, or yeah, haven't please. read out yet, please email in and let us know. Please because we it. love hearing how we are, Mr. Worldwide. I, I absolutely adore it. It just makes me remember that like people listen. Yes, actual it, people. Yeah. Also, like love our UK listeners, don't get us wrong. Oh yeah, UK guys, staying strong. Yeah, Respect. grounded. They're being very UK about it. It is grounded and oh. miserable. Yeah, I, I don't need to email. Yeah, that's fine. It's that's fine. fine. Know, yeah. yeah, I'll just listen. Thank you very much. Um, uh, but yeah, as I said before, you can email hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and get your email read out on the show. We might take a couple of weeks to get to it. Good stuff. Thank you. So James. As ever, let's finish with a quick game. And we're going to finish with a game that's been very popular with our audience, mm-hmm. which is film opposites, film antonyms. Okay. You gave me two rounds before. I'm going to give you my round now. Oh, okay. God. Okay. So, James, guess the film based on its antonym. Okay. Okay. In three, two, one. The mediocre capture. The what? The mediocre capture. The, 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 uh, the supreme what? The, break it down. The mediocre oh, capture. So mediocre. Freeing. The bit. Uh, go on. The, the big free. The big, the, the thing. The mediocre capture. The great escape. Oh my God. Okay. The green jaguar. The, the red. Red. Pink panther. Pink, oh. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pink kilometer. The green mile. Yes. <laughs> Sit away from you. Uh, stand. Stand, yes stand by me yes the dream after easter the nightmare before christmas yes the moon is sufficient the, the sun is wait the moon the sky the stars the world the is not enough no. <laughs> dublin uh belfast yes. the mother the father live soft with forgiveness die hard with a vengeance the best people in the village the worst people in town the worst aliens in town the worst person in the person world in the world oh national villain national villain Lo- local yes local hero yes depressing old man <laughs> it's fine oh promising young woman yes <laughs> lazy boy uh um, girl uh, yeah. lazy boy uh promise what working girl. working girl oh okay informed uh uneducated and uh, uh, ignorant uh <laughs> <What is> clueless <laughs> and lastly That's good. difficult z difficult z easy a yeah <laughs> i'm sweating i'm sweating <laughs>
very good. Informed, very, very good. Informed. <laughs> yeah, what's the opposite of informed? Yeah, like, I know. I could think, oh my God. Uh, you like talking. Yeah, so there, oh my oh. God. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go, James. So that, that was Woo! my ride. I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I wrote those myself on did, the train. Did, did, be honest, were you like chuckling to yourself writing I was. My favorite one of the ones I wrote was either Dublin for Belfast <laughs> or Sit Away From You. <laughs> yeah, stand by me. I know, like the best person in the village, the best people in the village. It's worst person in the I world. I was thinking, like, yeah. what's the opposite of world? I guess, like, uh, I could have said town. I oh, know world. world, like moon. The best person. I could have said the best people in the world in the moon. The moon, the sun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's hard. There you go. That was Ooh. the game. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pulp Kitchen, James. This is usually oh your bit. God, go on, do it. Do it. Uh, uh, yes. Sorry. We post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. But also follow us on Instagram and TikTok where we post loads of content throughout the week and subscribe and like and give us a five star on Spotify and give us a review and, you know, just support us and write in. If you're listening, all the things. If you're listening on Spotify, I know there are a lot of you doing it. Just scroll up, get your phone out. I know you're not doing it and just go and give us a five star rating yeah. if you want to do it. YouTubers, stop. Please, like button, subscribe. And subscribe. It helps us so much. And click that notification bell if you want to be notified when we post. We really appreciate it. We really appreciated it. TikTok's always dropping bits. Instagram, we're about to hit a thousand followers. Do it. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 